0: Father, I thank you that the name of Jesus, your word says that, God, you have given your son Jesus the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Father, I pray... Right now, I thank you for that name of Jesus, and I invoke the name of Jesus. That name that is above every name, I invoke it, that powerful name. Father, on behalf of those who need it today. Father, I pray that those that they're, 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 they're feeling a sense of stress and strain Maybe they're waiting for a call from the health department with with some news. Maybe they've already received that call and they're concerned. Father, maybe there are people that are worried about their jobs this morning. There are those that are worried about what's gonna happen with my kids' uh, daycare program or, or our schools. But Father, they are waiting this morning. They're in need of a miracle. Father, I pray for those that are battling terrible disease today. Father, in the middle of this pandemic, we can say the only thing that we can do is come to you and kneel at the foot of the cross and whisper the name of Jesus. Just say that name. Say Jesus. Jesus. Whether you're in your living room, whether you're In a deer stand this morning or whether you're here, just whisper that name, Jesus. Father, we come in that name and we thank you that it is not only a beautiful name, it's not only a wonderful name, but it's a powerful name. And that name of Jesus has more power and more authority than any other name given under heaven. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We might have to make this uh, sort of a, a thing, an opening day where. Um, where we ask hunters to uh, check in with us because one of them has just shot quite a large buck uh, and has now, uh, while he's watching the service, and has now texted us a picture of uh, that buck. And uh, Carla, you've got venison that's going to (laughs) be coming uh, to your house very soon, whether you want it or not. Oh, that is awesome. Well, let me ask you a question. What are you most thankful for? What are you most thankful for? I posed that question this week on social media. And social media is is good for very little, but it is good for getting responses out of people. And uh, lots of people... uh, Friends and, and acquaintances from not only here in Marquette and the UP, but are literally around the country sent responses. And and I, I won't read the spiritual ones, okay? I mean the ones that, you know, just thankful for, for God or thankful for Jesus. But let me just read a few of these responses for you. Uh, thankful for family. That was number one. Far and away, uh, people are thankful for their families. I, I don't know about you, but... But this last eight months has definitely made me uh, just understand how grateful I am for my family. And this series that we're doing called Thanks Living, it's, it's about getting in touch with, with our own gratitude and living a life of gratitude and, and how we can live that life, being in touch with those things. And our family is, is a big part of our, our gratitude in our lives. Family, friends, uh, waking up today. And that one was not, um, was not cliche. It was, it was by someone who um, doesn't know if, if they have a lot more of those days. And so I thought that was really interesting to just be grateful that they, they open their eyes and they're alive one more day. Uh, somebody said they're, they're home our homes have become so much more important to us over the last eight months because it's where we, we are. If we're not at work, we're at home. And for some of us, home and work are the same place. And so we're, we're grateful for that. Our provision for our needs, our jobs, we're grateful um, for that income that's coming in so that we can uh, pay the bills. Those are big things. Someone said they're thankful for automated external defibrillators. You die once in a guy's Zumba class, and they never forget it. They always have to throw that little jab out there. Those of us that live here in the UP, we're going to get this one, sunshine. We're grateful for sunshine. I am convinced that we appreciate 70 and sunny more than anyone else in the country because we understand (laughs) how rare it really is and what a beautiful thing it is. But they're thankful for the weather, the sunshine, protection. Someone said they're thankful for the gift of no. When someone says no to them and they accept that, sometimes the situation turns out better than they ever imagined. Uh, Someone else said thankful for another day to live. And I certainly appreciate that. But Thanksgiving in 2020 is going to look different than it's ever looked like before. It's it's just going to look different, and we've got to come to grips with that. I, I know for, for our family, and I'll just share this in a very personal note, um, Thanksgiving is our big holiday. It's It's really it's been our Christmas holiday because I, my family is all in ministry um, and everybody is, is working at and connected to a local church and so they, they can't get away for Christmas and travel hours and hours because we all have Christmas Eve services to be part of. But Thanksgiving is what we have said, okay, this is our family holiday where we can all be together. And, and we've had to say, you know what? We love this. Uh, we love this tradition, but this year we're gonna, as a family, we're gonna have to sit it out, and it's it's heartbreaking, um, and and there's you know disappointment on many levels. But I have to tell you that this is going to be different. There's one state in the country that is actually making restrictions on your Thanksgiving gatherings if you. Are a resident of that state that you need to be limited to three families that are, are, are gathering together for Thanksgiving, and that you cannot be indoors. You have to be outdoors. Now, what's gonna happen if the weather's bad in that state? What's gonna, what's gonna happen? Um, the, the part of the restrictions are that the only time people can come in your house in that gathering, and it's, by the way, it's limited to two hours. The only time people can come in is to use the bathroom. Now, I know somebody's whistling at me, and I have no idea who it is. But uh, we, we have, um, you know, we think about that. And some of you right now, you're thinking two hours limited to three families. They can't come in my house. Some of you right now are thinking, I, I'm, I'm digging this. I'm liking this. There are some positives. If we're going to find a, a silver lining, this, this really might be one of those things. It might not be too bad. But as humans, we have to admit that most often our, our gratitude is connected to our circumstance. We, we make that connection. We see that our our gratitude, our, our ability to be thankful is connected to to our circumstance, we'd say it's it's circumstantial. And my question is, how do we get beyond that? Because if we're going to really live a life of thanksgiving, a, a life of gratitude, we need to figure out how to be thankful even when our circumstances are not what we would like them to be, even, even if they're negative. I want to read from Habakkuk a little... Uh, Uh, Old Testament uh, prophet, and I want to read from chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Here's what Habakkuk says. He said, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive oil fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Now, Habakkuk was written in the 7th century B.C., and Israel's King Josiah, who was a tremendous spiritual reformer in the nation, has been killed. And there is just incredible geopolitical upheaval and unrest around the world. And, and Habakkuk, the prophet, is seeing verses 17 and part of 18. He's seeing this coming down the pike, okay? Remember, he's a prophet. So he is, he is declaring things that God is allowing him to see that are coming for Israel, They're not even even in existence right now. He's not saying that these things don't exist in Israel. He's saying he sees it coming. It is coming. And let's look at a few of those things. That that as he is looking ahead at those things, he's seeing those judgments that God is prepared to bring on the people of Israel. And he's on this journey to try to see that God is still a good God, even in the midst of these very um, evil times that, that he's living in in the nation of Israel. He didn't see much hope. And I know that some of us have, have and I'll, I'll say fallen into, but we find ourselves in a very similar situation as we look at our country, as we look at our situation in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of contentious uh, uh, election season, and we look around us and we say, we, we don't see much hope. Habakkuk did not see much hope. His was a little bit different than ours is because he said, well I, I don't see any produce, I, I don't see any fruit, I don't see fields that are going to yield food. In fact I, I don't I don't even see uh the livestock that normally would be a part of, of, of our society. I, I don't see that available sheep which would provide wool for for clothing for blankets uh Cows and sheep, uh, which would provide meat. Uh, Cows also providing milk and things like that. All of these things that were a normal part of their provision. He said, I'm not seeing those things in our future. So Habakkuk is looking ahead and it's not looking good. In fact, it's looking very dire. And as humans, I think we often are in a place where um, if it doesn't look good for us, we struggle to be truly thankful. We struggle to live a life of gratitude because, and I was thinking about this morning going over my notes, I, because, because we're, we're, we're just a, a, a mature version of, of the little ones that we started out as and with a little one in our home, uh, having a grandson running around all the time, we we see how selfish children are. It's about me, 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 me. Even before they say me, it's about me and that's that's who we are as humans we're thinking about ourselves and and it's hard for us to get in touch with with gratitude and being thankful when we're looking at our circumstances and they are negative they're bad and so the question is how do we live a life of gratitude and and a, a life of thanksgiving when like Habakkuk we look at our circumstances and we say we, we don't see a lot of hope we don't see a lot of positive or, or good things around us. how do we do that and and I, I today my message is is about how we can do that and what we need to look at because Habakkuk, looked at the character of God. And and Habakkuk says, I see all of these bad things. And then he said, yet will I rejoice. Do you know what that word rejoice means? It means to be so happy, to be so caught up in your worship that you jump and spin. Nikki, that is your word right there. To be so, so thankful, so grateful in the midst of your, your worship and praise to God. Think about that for just a moment. Now, we, we, I, I realize that I'm dealing with a bunch of Scandinavians here. And I know how you like to jump and, and spin in your worship, okay? Here in the great white north. But that's, that's really looking at the circumstance very differently. So Habakkuk, he decides, I'm going to look at the character of God, yet will I rejoice. And here's what he looked at. And here's what you and I, I believe, need to look at. Four characteristics about God that we can look to even when our circumstances are difficult. And it's going to help us to be people of gratitude, people of thanksgiving. The first one is this. The first characteristic is love. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. On, on Monday um, this past week was day number eight of our 30-day um, Thanks Living Challenge. So I got up on Monday and i'm i'm having my devotions and i, I pull up the 30 days of thanks living and i get to that that day and it's love and i think i've read this i know this i've done this blah 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 i'm just being honest i was going to kind of skate over it and then i decided to do something different I didn't, I didn't pull out my, my concordance or, or didn't pull out, um, you know, the Bible app or, or, or Bible Gateway. I just started to think about things that the Bible says about God's love. And I was reminded that the Bible says that the only way that I know what love is is not because I love God, but because he loved me first. The Bible says that God demonstrated, he showed his love for me and for you at just the right time, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God, he showed us that at at just the right time. Of course, we all know that the John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God's love. I, I am reminded. I am reminded that that, that Jesus said God is love. And all of these thoughts just began to, to well up in my heart and my mind, and I began to declare my thankfulness that God loves me. And all of a sudden, it wasn't blah, 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 blah. It was filling me up, and all of my circumstances began to really um, shrink in size as compared to the love that God has for me, and all of a sudden, man, I was—I was, I, I was just—I was feeling filled with His love. But it was—it was wasn't because my circumstances had changed. It wasn't because of, of anything that I did. It was simply because of of being able to recognize God's love. For me. That ultimately is what made the difference. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. He said, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Not not death, not life, not angels, not all of these things. The past, the present, the future. None of them can separate us from the love of God because God, his love never fails. I would love to be able to say that I never fail. I would love that. But the reality is that I fail. But we cannot be separated from God's love because God never fails. You and I, we are totally inconsistent, completely inconsistent. In fact, James says, You guys are tossed back and forth by wind and waves. In fact, you're, you're double-minded. You're unstable. Man, that's, that's who we are in our human nature. And God, he never fails. His love never fails. We cannot be separated from it. C.S. Lewis said this, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us Does not. So if we are going to come to a place in our lives where we can live a life of gratitude, no matter what our circumstances are, we've got to tie in to this characteristic of God, the characteristic of his love, and we'll be able to rise above. The second one, the second characteristic is patience. And this, this is a, I think this is a big one. COVID has stressed a lot of relationships. Some of you at work, there's a lot of stress right now in your job because of COVID. It's scheduling, it's, it's, um, fear, it's anxiety. There's lots of things early on in COVID, um, in fact, right when we when everything shut down, I got a call from my dad that morning, and it wasn't a health question, and it wasn't you know um, it wasn't anything big. It was Kevin. Um, I can't I can't uh, your, your 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 service isn't on on Facebook. It's it's not it's not on YouTube. I it's I can't find it. I said, Dad, I'm 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 watching it right now. He said, Yeah, but. But it's not there. I, I looked and it's not there. And I said, okay, Dad, let's let's work this out, right? And um, I I, you know, we had this conversation and it started to get a little bit not heated, but just he was frustrated because he couldn't find it, okay? And I'm frustrated because I'm trying to tell him how to find it, okay? And I said, All right, let's let's start over. Okay, close all your apps. What's an app? <laughs> how do I close them? What what is it? How do, you know it, it's and and I I mean it was really hilarious because we actually and we never do this we ended the phone call without resolving how to get him <laughs> onto the service that day and and it was I mean okay I feel like I'm a pretty patient person you know with people and we got off and I was like wow. And very quietly, my oldest child, who will remain nameless, very quietly came to me and said, now you know how I feel. It rocked me. I'm not kidding. It rocked me. Because I, I was, I mean, I knew how I was feeling, and he's telling me that's how he feels sometimes when he's dealing with me. And I thought, I'm, 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 I'm you know, almost tech savvy. I, you know, I know how to at least, well, there's a lot I don't know how to do, so I'm not even going to tell you what I do know how to do. <laughs> but, but I understood at that moment, okay, I thought I, I had it together and my dad didn't. And now I'm realizing that I'm the dad. Do <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That realization totally changed my perspective. I, I, had to, I, I realized I needed to be way more patient with my own dad because someone was being patient with me. That was, a, that was just an incredible uh, moment of realization. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells a story about a king who wants to settle his accounts. And so he brings in people that owe him money because he wants to settle this up so he can do something with his resources. I'm, I'm not sure what he was planning on doing, but he brings in a, uh, someone who would be called a servant who owes him an incredible amount of money. And the the king says, I need you to pay that debt. And the guy says, I can't do it. And the king says, well, I'm going to put you in debtor's prison. And the man says, king, be patient with me. I will pay you all that I owe you. And the Bible says that the, the, the king or the master took pity on the man. And he forgave the huge debt that he owed. Could you imagine what a weight that would be to have that lifted from your shoulders? And that just It was an enormous debt, and it's forgiven, it's gone. And that man leaves the king's presence, and he is on a high. And I imagine his feet are hardly touching the ground, and the Bible says that as he went, he saw a fellow servant who happened to owe him a few bucks. And he said to the man, pay me everything you owe me. And the man said, be patient with me. I will pay you all that I owe you. And the servant said, nope, I want it now, and you can't do it, so I'm throwing you into debtor's prison until you can pay it all off. The fellow servants that were around and saw it happen, they went to the king and they said, King, this is what the servant did that you just forgave his debt. So he calls the man back in again and he throws him into debtor's prison where he is tortured and can finally pay off the entire debt. There's a moment when we realize how patient God is with us. In 2 Peter We read about God's patience in chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. He's speaking now about the coming of the Lord in the last days. It says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is so patient with you and I and the rest of the world to come to a place of repentance that some have believed that God has forgotten about his promise to return, or that somehow God is unable to return. There's a radio host named Woodrow Kroll, and he said, God is a God of second chances. Aren't you glad? How many of you are glad that God is a God of second chances? I am so glad that God is a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and for Kevin, a thousand chances. God is patient. When we come to a moment when we realize just how patient God has been with us and how undeserving we are of his patience, we will come to a place where we can live a life of gratitude even when our circumstances are negative, characteristic number three is mercy. We sang about this. That was great. Our first song today was about grace. Our second song was about mercy. And I didn't even tell them what my points were in my message. That was wonderful. God's mercy. If if grace is where uh, if if um, if grace is where God gives us um, what what we. Excuse me, let me say that again. Mercy is where God doesn't give us what we deserve. And, and so when we look at God's mercy, we realize that we, we don't deserve some things, okay, uh, and some things we do deserve. And his mercy is where we've earned something, and God says, I'm not going to give that to you. We deserve judgment, even as believers, but, but through the gift of the, of the blood of Jesus, God's mercy keeps us from having to pay that judgment. God doesn't give us those things that that we deserve. Pastor Alistair Begg said this, the mercy of God is an all-embracing mercy and it breaks down the barriers that man erects. You see, our sin puts up barriers between us and God. And it's only his mercy... That breaks those barriers down that, 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 that keeps us from receiving those things, because we don't deserve His mercy, because all have sinned, and the wages of that sin is death. We don't deserve that mercy. Psalms 103 in verse 10 says this. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. We deserve to have to pay for our sins ourselves, but God's mercy is available for us. Micah chapter 7 and verse 18, it says, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight To show mercy. God actually delights in showing mercy. That's amazing. We don't deserve it and yet he delights in showing mercy to us. It can be really easy to get caught up in in our negative circumstance and saying to ourselves, I don't deserve this this negative circumstance that I'm in. But when we grasp that, that God doesn't give us what we actually deserve, we can live a life of gratitude. And fourthly, the fourth characteristic is grace. Grace is the the other side of the two sided coin. If mercy is one side, grace is the other. If mercy is where God doesn't give us what we uh, he doesn't give us what we deserve, grace is where he he gives us what we don't deserve. Grace and mercy are they're two sides of a coin, and we need them both. And I'm so glad for God's grace. The definition of that in our lives, it it is so awesome because we don't deserve God's grace either. And yet he gives it to us. Habakkuk saw no future and said, yet I will rejoice. He was able to, to joyfully acknowledge the salvation of God. What did he mean by salvation? The deliverance of God, the rescuing of God, the safety of God, the welfare, uh, all of that. God, uh, Habakkuk saw that he was trusting and depending on God's character, the character of God's grace And because of that, even though he didn't see the the crops in the field, and he didn't see the sheep in the pen and the cattle in the field, he could still rejoice because he knew what God's character was, God's character of grace. And that same character of grace is available for you and I still today, even if we can't see any future for ourselves Ephesians 2.8.9, Paul says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Charles Stanley said this, God's grace, his unconditionally loving, unmerited favor is sometimes difficult for people to grasp, even though each one of us is in desperate need of it. All, if all we could do If all that was available to us was to access God's grace, that would be enough to be thankful for. It doesn't matter what our circumstances would be. If the only thing available to us were God's grace, that would be enough for you and I to live a life of gratitude because that grace makes all the difference in the world. Maybe you're on a a journey like Habakkuk was, Maybe you are are struggling to see the goodness of God in what's happening in in your life and in our world today. Maybe you've struggled with with just really feeling defeated and and that the the evil of this world is somehow going to, to win over the goodness of God. I believe... I believe that the answer is not to focus on our circumstances, but to focus on the character of God. And that character of God is not going to change. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. And the characteristics of his love, his patience, his mercy, and his grace continue to be the same. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself to his people and he said, I will continue to be to you all that I am. He said, I am that I am. I'm going to keep being to you all that I am. I'm going to keep showing you my love. I'm going to keep showing you my patience. I'm going to keep showing you my mercy and my grace. And when we come to the realization of those things, we can live a life of gratitude. So as I close this service, I just want to speak to each one of you that are in this place, but also those of you that are with us through Church Online, and I just want to to ask you today, are you able to focus on the characteristics of God rather than on your circumstance? I just want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes as I close this service in prayer. And if you're struggling to focus on the characteristics of God and it's just been easier to look at the negativity that's around us, and you kind of feel it all caving in on you a little bit, I want to pray for you specifically today. So whether you're in your deer stand, in your living room, or here in this sanctuary with us, if that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up for just a moment. Just hold it there. Father, you see these hands. You see the hands that are in this room, but the hands that are represented out there. And Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus that you would reach beyond our circumstances and help us today to focus on the characteristics of God. Lord, your word says that you have a plan for us, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, a plan to give us a hope and a future. You have not abandoned us. And so, Father, today I pray your peace and your presence. I pray for a spirit of your love and your patience and your mercy and your grace, Lord, to infiltrate our hearts and that even in the midst of some very difficult circumstances, that as the people of God, we will rise above in faith. And, Father, I pray for the one that's there today that has not made a commitment to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they look around them in the world, and they don't know how this thing is gonna turn out, and they're confused, and they don't have any hope. I pray that today they will put their hope in Jesus, the name that is above every name. By simply saying, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I don't have any hope in and of myself. So I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and be my Savior in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that when we pray that prayer, all heaven rejoices. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, I want you to reach out and let us know that so that we can put some things in your hand that will help you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to say thank you for being here today. I'm so glad that you have come, and I believe that God has good things in store for us, and I pray God's blessing on you today. Have a great day. God bless you, and we'll see you again very soon.